This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. one of the songs in both the original Top Gun and uh, the new Top Gun as well, which is one of the films nominated for an Academy Awards. One of my favorite people to talk movies with is one of my favorite people to talk about anything with. Uh, Debbie Schlossel, she is an attorney, she is a conservative uh, commentator, she is a film critic, an all-around interesting person to uh, talk to, which we try to do as frequently as possible. Debbie, thanks so much for uh, for joining us again on the radio. Anytime. Thanks for having me back. Um, so I want to I wanna ask your opinion on the movies, both your predictions, hopes, and fears for the Oscars in two weeks. But <laughs> I have to uh, take advantage of your uh, legal expertise first. With the case of uh, Alec, Alec Murdoch, who it drives me crazy that I pronounce his name Murdoch instead of Murdoch, which is clearly how it's spelled. He's been mm-hmm. found guilty of a lot more than mispronunciation of his name. <laughs> He's uh, been found guilty on all the counts that he was charged with. Had you paid attention to this case at all, Debbie? And uh, were you surprised by the outcome? Tell me about it. Tell me what you thought. I watched it very closely. I was fascinated by the whole story that a man could kill his wife and his own child. And then just all these murders piling up and him thinking he would get away with it. Um, you know, there's a lot to the story that you don't see on the mainstream media, but there were a lot of murders that were tied to him. And not only that, but a lot of clients that he stole their money, like a lot of different ones where he was in charge of the case. And then all of a sudden the people just never got a settlement. There were a few cases like that. There's only one, I think, that they focused on um, or that they mentioned at the trial. But I actually was not surprised. I actually had an argument with this friend of mine who lives in New York, and she said, oh, I I think they're going to take a few days, and, you know, they might find they might acquit him. And I said, no way. The facts are so strong, and I said this from the beginning of the case to her. The facts are so strong that I would be surprised if they're out for even a day Um, I think they're going to come back very quickly, which it's rare because jurors want to show that they had spent some time deliberating. They don't want to look like, you know, they didn't think about it at all after sitting through something, especially that long. But this was a month long trial. They want to go home. 
so I actually was not surprised, hmm. and uh, I thought that they would have a swift and certain guilty verdict, and I was right. You, you certainly were. So what is the next uh, step in terms of the penalty phase of this case? Is he is he is the death penalty a consideration, or is he looking at life in prison? They took the death penalty off the table. My understanding was the reason was that they thought it would be much harder to convict him if they left that on the table. Uh. Um, but I think he's got life in prison. I mean, I think you heard the judge, if you were watching, he um, wanted uh, his lawyers asked the judge to enter uh, a not guilty verdict, notwithstanding uh, it's called a judgment, notwithstanding the evidence. And um, the judge said, no, there's a lot of evidence of your guilt, a lot. He said that it was basically overwhelming. And I think he's going to throw the book at him. I think everyone, this is, listen, you know that I don't try to see politics in everything, but sometimes it's there. In this case, this guy is a killer and he deserved everything he got, he gets and, and so on. But I think part of the fascination is that, you know, he's from a very privileged family that has been historically privileged for over a hundred years mm. in South Carolina. He's white. He's male. Um, it fits into this whole white privilege category, and people, you know, d- especially don't like that. And I, you, you think that maybe I'm, I'm, you know, seeing something into this that that should that shouldn't be. But I remember that Dick Wolf. Um, the inventor of Law and Order, the creator of Law and Order, said that on, something like only five percent of his murderers and criminals in the Law and Order shows are black or Muslim. He said the other ninety-five percent. This was to the Wall Street Journal. Are white and wealthy because that's who the public wants to see get it oh. and be at fault. Um, it's, Interesting, you know. It, yeah. Wow, that, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, observation. I, I would not have realized that. That makes sense in that uh, in that context. Both the public interest. But we know in New York, not in real life. You yeah. know. Well, yeah, that's for sure. Um, Debbie, let me also get you to weigh in on this Dominion lawsuit against uh, against Fox News uh, that has gotten a lot of attention. I know you used to go on Fox quite a bit. I I, I don't watch a lot of cable news, so I don't know if you still go on there much and uh, at all these days, but. Uh, just from a legal perspective, uh, tell me how you think this is going down. I mean, it looks like, which is pretty rare for a plaintiff, that uh, there's some lawyers that think they could actually win a, a, a motion for summary judgment, and Fox might be out over a billion dollars here. How do you see this, Debbie? Well, you know, I haven't been on Fox News in years. I was blackballed by Sean Hannity, and I'm not surprised at all with all the news that has come out that Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Lori Ingram, that they knew that the election was not stolen and that they just lied to their viewers and basically treated them like idiots. Um, And I think that that is very, very bad for Fox news with uh, in this case, especially I, their viewers don't seem to mind having been lied to. I don't think, I think most of the uproar is really among liberals in the mainstream media. Um, but I mean, they basically treated them like, oh, you know, you're troglodytes, you're idiots, and, and 
you know, we're going to treat you that way. And people keep watching and saying, oh, give me more, give me more. Um, it's supposed to be a legitimate journalism outlet and a legitimate journalism, journalistic outlet would tell the truth, no matter what the truth is. And even if it's bad, it's against what the viewers want to hear. But instead, they fed the story that a lot of people believe for for many, many months. Listen, when Trump uh, lost the election at first, you know, I thought to myself, well, let's give him a chance. Let's see the lawsuit. Maybe there is something there. Um, And, you know, I thought maybe there possibly could be something there. But after 60-something lawsuits with many, you know, several with judges that Trump appointed, and you don't show really any concrete evidence, that should be that. And you move on and focus on the next election so you can win instead of wallowing in defeat. And and I think Fox fed the opposite. And I, I think in the case of Dominion, um, you know, a lot of the lies were about Dominion. And uh, Dominion can make its case. I've never seen something like this where they had such great evidence that the people that they're accusing of defamation deliberately lied and mm. openly said so in text messages. I mean, that's really stupid. So I think they've got a very good case. I would not be surprised. You know, it's very hard to win a motion for summary judgment, but it's done. And it's that done with such infrequency. And I think in this case, they've got solid evidence that this media outlet deliberately lied. Now, that's not to say that CNN and MSNBC and all the mainstream news media outlets lie, too. But I have to say Fox News does it a lot. And I'm a conservative, and I, you know, but I want to hear the truth, not lie. Right. Well, that's I think everybody I think. should want to hear uh, the truth. And, um, you know, it's funny. I made a, a joke, um, you know, because Hannity made clear when he was sworn under oath that he didn't believe any of the election 2020 lies that the election was stolen or anything like that. And I said, if only they could get um, Sean Hannity to go under oath before he did his radio show each day, I think we'd all be much better off. And I meant it kind of as a joke, but then I, I got all sorts of angry emails and stuff, people like that. And I thought about responding to it because, you know, I'm not a big Hannity fan, but then I, I, I know having, you know, worked with him when he was here, how, how, you know, vindictive Hannity can be and how, you know, how this Nixonian paranoia that he has, you know, without necessarily getting into the details of your history with him. I'm wondering if you can speak to Hannity's level of either paranoia or vindictiveness to people that still see some sort of a halo over his head. Absolutely. I mean, well, I, I'm a victim of it, even without going into the specifics. He had me blackballed. Um, and he used to call me late at night, and one time he yelled and screamed at me because I wouldn't do something he wanted that I did not want to do that was unethical and not my lifestyle and not the lifestyle he preached on TV constantly. Um, and I could tell you one time when I was on his show when he used to be on your radio station, he um, said to me, don't mention Bill O'Reilly on my show. At that time, he and Bill O'Reilly right, they were, were the rivals at the post. time. Yeah, Yeah, and he said, Whatever you do, don't mention Bill O'Reilly. And I had never mentioned Bill O'Reilly then. And he said, you cannot mention him his name on my show. You know, if, you, if you're confident of your popularity and your knowledge and your ability as a show host and an entertainer, 
why would you care? I mean, she was so insecure. It's amazing to me. Um, I remember one time I uh, dyed my hair red. I wanted to see what it looked like. And I happened to come to New York. I was on his show. And he started yelling and screaming at me that I was not a blonde anymore. I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't, I'm not this guy's wife or something. I'm just a person that knew him and I was on his show. I, he was just not a nice person. And he, the other thing is, all these people that have a halo around him, I don't understand it because remember when Barack Obama was first elected, um, he all of a sudden went on his show and said, you know what, we now have to have comprehensive immigration reform. We have to let these people in. We have to give them citizenship. We have to do this. We have to do that. Well, you know, if you really believe in secure borders, all of a sudden, because of one election, you're going to change your views 180, 180 degrees. But that's because he doesn't believe in anything that's but right. Hannity. Yeah, I, again, and a lot of these posts are like that. I, 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 I mean, I, I, again, I'm hesitant to even mention him uh, negatively because I know how he gets. And he'll <laughs> not only, um, you know, he'll make uh, any anybody on his staff that's still fr- friends with me on Facebook, he'll make them delete me uh, from Facebook and have them watch everything I'm doing, call my boss and complain because that's the kind of person he is. But, um, I, I, you know, and look, I'm not uh, knocking any anybody that's that successful you can't uh, get uh, to the level he has in both radio and television without a fair amount of uh, of hard work but it's just so funny to me how the uh, the image that some people have of him that nobody that's ever interacted with him would ever have that uh, that sort of image all right um there's a lot of movies uh, that are out that I want to get your take on but first uh, we are I don't know that we're going to get a chance to speak before the academy awards let me just ask your take on the uh, best picture category you got Top Gun nominated. You got something called Women Talking. Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. The Triangle of Sadness. The Fablemans. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar, Elvis, and Tar. Uh, Out of all those, Debbie, at least the ones that you've seen, what did you like the most? What do you think should win? And what do you think will win? I got to be honest. I really didn't like most, if not all of them. Um, the Fablemans, I think, uh, people worship Steven Spielberg, even though it was a really horrible, long, slow, boring movie. And I think a lot of people are going to vote for that just because they're friends with Steven Spielberg. They all want to work with him, this and that. It also might be everything, everywhere, all at once, because it's kind of like the it girl flavor of the year. Um, and it's Asians and that's the, uh, You, you didn't like it? Um, I have to be honest, that's the one movie out of them that I did not see. And the reason I didn't see it was the screening was on a Jewish holiday. and Uh, I just gave up. I got so busy. Sure. So I haven't seen it. I might like it. I don't know. But I um, the Fablements I hated. Um, Top Gun will never get it because it was a popular movie. It's seen as like a Republican conservative movie. It really is not, actually. But it's seen that way by the Hollywood people and it's commercial and it's popular with the masses and you know they have to be different and woke and show that they know better than everyone else so they'll never pick that um, and it's not they want one of the they've moved away from the American people in terms of what they think should be the top so I really think it's going to be like everything everywhere all at once or it could be the Banshees Vinish Sharon which I absolutely hated the movie is just one guy 
hates the other guy. They don't get. They used to be friends. They don't get along. So the one guy cuts off all his fingers and kill and burns out his house and tries to kill himself. And you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, great movie. Yeah, that's what I would want to see. Yeah, my I wife wanted, and I watched you know. it, and it, it is. It's far from an upbeat film. So if you had to pick one that you enjoyed the most out of the ones that I uh, just listed, uh, Elvis, Tar, Avatar, All Quiet on the Western Front, Fablemans, Triangle of Sadness, Banshees of Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Women Talking, or Top Gun, you're the one that you disliked the least. What would it be? Well, so and I didn't even like it, but it, I disliked the least Top Gun. So that's what I would vote okay. for. But the, you know what? I always, the things I vote for, none of these liberal movie critics like. In fact, the movie critic group that I used to be in that kicked me out for being Jewish and also for being conservative. They kicked us uh, all of those people with that description out, and there were three of us. Um, they used to always vote for these far left, woke, horrible, obscure movies that nobody wanted to see and whatever. And I feel like the Academy Awards, it's almost an extension of that these days. One other thing I would say is it's possible that the movie Tar could win because it's like over three and a half hours long. It's a total bore. And it's about this lesbian (laughs) conductor woman who, uh, you know, like who then gets canceled only because of one Thing she said that was politically incorrect. So I'm kind of surprised they might like that, but they do because it's like very artsy fartsy and boring and ridiculous. And and um, one last thing is that there are a few other movies like that. And this women talking thing is like so ridiculously obscure. It's about some women in 1800s and some Mormon community in somewhere in South America, it is like so particularly ridiculous and that they're all being raped and sexually abused and they suddenly speak out, women talking. Like, who wants to see that? It's boring. Nobody cares. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, but I can't say I'm going to bump it to the top of my list with that uh, with that (laughs) recommendation. We're talking with Debbie Schlussel. Uh, If you want to uh, see more from her, you can go to uh, her website, DebbieSchlussel.com or uh, DebbieDoesPolitics.com will uh, will get you there as well. You can also follow her. Go ahead. Can I just mention one other thing? Thank you for that. Um, So. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it was kind of racist of the Academy Awards that they did not vote for the woman that was the main, the lead actress and really the lead character in the movie, Till. And I have to say, I happen to agree. You would be surprised to hear that from me because I'm not politically correct. In which film, Till? The movie Till. Mm -hmm. I thought that movie was, I actually was surprised. I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very moving and touching. It's a true story that a lot of people did don't know um, about this guy, Emmett Till, who as a teenager was sent down south to visit his cousins. His mother was worried. And then he sees this white woman at this drugstore where they got ice cream or sodas, whatever. And he tells her that she's good looking and whistles at her. And he is um, so brutally uh, tortured and murdered by the relatives of this woman that his body is unrecognizable and his mother, this is a real life story. His mother, they're from Chicago. She decides that she wants an open casket, even though everyone tells her not to, because it's so horrifying and she wants everybody to see that this is what's going on in America and which did go on in America in those days. I mean, it was a lynching 
And I, it's a true story. It's very effective movie. It's very well done. And I thought the woman that played the mother, uh, this woman Deadweiler, I think it's yeah I Danielle for, Danielle Deadweiler. Danielle, that's yeah. it. She was so good. I couldn't believe it. I thought she was so effective. I looked her up, and she was an actress in a mo- in a a series I saw on Netflix. And I couldn't even believe it was the same person because she is such a great actress. She really morphed into such diverse characters. And I thought she did such a great job in this movie. I thought she should have been hands down the winner of Best Actress this year in all the award shows. And she got shut out. And to me, that showed that as woke as Hollywood tries to to preach to the rest of us, they really aren't as woke themselves, which is not really a secret because we see how they live in their mansions and their gated communities with their armed security and bodyguards, but they don't want us to have any of that. Well, this is a, uh, a banner moment, folks. You have uh, Debbie Schlussel, longtime opponent of political correctness, avowed conservative, saying that the reason Till was shut out of the Academy Awards, including the very controversial snub of Daniel Deadweiler, was due to racism. I don't know, uh, Debbie, maybe this is your audition to take over for Corinne Jean-Pierre when she moves on to... <laughs> Greener you know, I, I, it's not a first for me that I've said that Hollywood is racist. I do think they are. I think, and even by the way, um, Camille uh, Nanjiani, he said basically that Hollywood is racist because he said that they will not cast people of color anymore as villains, and he really wants to play villains, and they won't cast him because he has darker skin. They only want to cast white people now as villains. They uh, are the racist. Uh, Debbie, I want to speed through a few movies yes. that people may have been hearing about and may be tempted to check out. How about Creed Three? I didn't. I didn't even see Creed Two, but I did like the first Creed. I'm a big fan of Rocky and Sylvester Stallone. Creed Three is it worth seeing? Yes, I really liked it. It's it's basically Black Rocky Three, and just like I thought Creed was Black Rocky. I thought it was good. The story is very unlikely and a little hard to believe. But it's, you know, what you want to see in a good boxing movie. I thought it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. it I wasn't bored. And, um, it, you know, it, it, it's like I said, if you like boxing or a good sports movie or a good, uh, you know, the underdog, good guy wins, that's always, I love that kind of movie. So it was, it was good for me. The um, another movie that's got a lot and gotten a lot of attention and is being described as a surprise hit uh, in some quarters is a film called Cocaine Bear. What's your take on this? I hated this movie. Uh, Elizabeth Banks created and directed this movie, and she's terrible. This was supposed to be a dark comedy. It wasn't funny. Um, it was just gross, and it relied on body dismemberment for humor. It's Ray Liotta's last movie. You know, I liked Ray Liotta, but I, I think his forte was not this kind of movie. Um, I would skip this movie. I didn't find it particularly entertaining. By the way, back to the Creed three movie, I love Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a very good actor, and he directed that movie. So anyway. That's what I think. Uh, and how about uh, this is a film that did very well box office wise. A lot of critics didn't seem to like it. Now it's sort of leveled off. Ant-Man and the Wasp. What about that? Yeah, I like this a lot better mm. than the mainstream movie critics. I thought it was of the, I like Ant-Man. I like Paul Rudd. I of the Ant-Man movies. I liked the first one a lot and I liked this one 
almost as much. Um, it was entertaining. It was funny. I could follow it, unlike a lot of the superhero movies these days, which have a ton of special effects, but you can't, you don't understand what's going on, and it's confusing. This one, I could understand the visuals of this movie are stunning the entire time. They probably spent more in special effects than most of these movies. It, it just was amazing in that regard. I enjoyed it. There's a uh, a romantic drama, I think a French film, called One Fine, one fine Morning. W- what did you think of this one? I hated it. It's basically this French single mother has an affair with a married man. Her a father is dying of dementia at the end, which <laughs> I don't need to see that. I mean, why do I need to sit through two hours for that? Um, uh, Fallen Son, uh, what is Fallen, uh, or, or is it Luther, Fallen Son? What is this Luther, about? Luther, the Fallen Son. So this is Idris Elba's um, audition to become the new James Bond, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, I thought the movie was very entertaining. It's a thriller. Um, the killer is kind of unlikely and, and trumped up. They speak some kind of Slavic language and not like the whole anti- Russian Eastern European thing, but I, it's about the serial killer. Luther's trying to solve this, find help, find out who the guy is, but he's in prison. Um, this is a British TV series about this police detective that Idris Elba plays Luther. So Netflix made a movie about it. It's in theaters now. It's coming to Netflix. Um, a week from today. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, you know, a good popcorn thriller. It's not the greatest of thrillers, but I wasn't bored at all, and um, it was fine. Lastly, um, we've been talking with Debbie Schlossel. Uh, you can check her out, DebbieDoesPolitics.com. I have Apple TV. There's a movie out on Apple TV called Sharper. Uh, what's I know Julianne Moore is in it, who I do like a lot as an actress. What's this picture about? Is it worth seeing? I really like this. This is... Uh, mystery thriller movie. I don't really want to say much of what it's about because it will give it away. But um, I guess like maybe the first twist, but there are so many twists in this that you won't guess. It's very well done. It's very tightly done. Wow, these people are stone-cold cruel. Uh, I really enjoyed it, though. It was well done. All right, so uh, your list of movies to check out, uh, Creed Three, The New Ant-Man, and Sharper, which is on Apple TV. Uh, movies to stay away from include uh, Cocaine Bear and uh, pretty much, you know, everything else, including, you know, including uh, Luther, the, fall, the Fallen Son. No, I, you know what? I, I, it was not bad. It was okay. entertaining enough. It just not the greatest of the th- detective thrillers I've seen, but it wasn't bad. And by okay. the way, it's beautifully shot. All right. So the big three, though, still Ant-Man, Sharper and Creed three. Right. OK. In the opposite order. Um, One other thing is I want to put quick plugs in on Netflix for two series. One is and they're short. They're not really serious. They're just like a two and a half hour, three hour movie. One is fear. And these are from 2020 and 2021. Fear City, New York City versus the mob. I love that. It was very well done about how New York defeated the... the um, yeah, the my uh, my colleagues uh, Rudy Giuliani and Curtis Lee were in that. That's right. I very much enjoyed that. And then I also liked, um, if you like mob thrillers, and this one involves a big heist that's a mystery, um, I enjoyed This is a Robbery. Um, I think it's called The Biggest Art Heist is the subtitle in history, but it, it's really um, 
very interesting uh, and a mystery. I loved it. I, I have to run, uh, Debbie. What, what are you doing this weekend? Are you doing anything fun? Um, I'm preparing my my uh, food baskets for Purim and preparing for a trial that I have Monday and Tuesday. So with a funny story, but we wouldn't want to say it over the air. <laughs> okay, I'll good. Tell, tell me about email. it. Tell me about it privately. Yeah, as long as you don't confuse your Purim folder with your trial folder, then you end up like George Costanza delivering an Ovaltine routine instead of a risk management routine. We can, that would be uh-huh. be quite embarrassing. Debbie, it's always I a have treat to, to give talk everyone with you. a human fund certificate <laughs> instead, right? Debbie, come to New York and visit sometime soon. We'll have you in studio. It'll be a blast to catch up with you. Okay. I would love to have a great weekend and. Happy Purim, everybody. Thank you. Happy Purim to everybody that is celebrating. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on any portion of my interview with Debbie Schlussel, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.